This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Punching Potato, Garlic Bread, Eric, Dragon Workshop, Spike, and Red Dead Coquette. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskias, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, and Cheryl. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. Hello, and uh, uh, hi to you, and uh, to the people listening, and uh, I'm so glad to be here, and joyful to talk about nerd things. Uh, how's it going? I was waiting to see how long I could let you just, like, spin on that for <laughs> <laughs> a while. Hi, Adam. I'm I'm alive. How about yourself? I'm great. That's how I open up classes now, right? I just start talking until somehow I get on the lesson. You know that there's something to be said for that. I think I do that on most live streams that I'm on, where it's like I'm just gonna ramble until I figure out where I am. <laughs> I think that's how most podcasts run, to be honest. Like, I don't know if you've listened to a whole lot of other shows, but I have been a connoisseur for some time. And oh. yeah, it's usually a lot of faffing about and meandering until we get to a point. Uh, it's it's true. I think the current record over on Quest and, uh, on Quest and Chaos for um, beginning a show and getting through the announcements is 42 minutes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and and wow, then wow, wow. and then other people took that as a challenge and went, no, seven minutes or less, go. <clears throat> oh man, you know, and so many times with Andrew, I was like, hey, let's um, let's try to like cut to the quick, real quick, and it's like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fairness, last week we did spend like fully 25 minutes talking before we got to the point of the episode. Well, what can I say? I'm extremely fun to talk to. You, you know? truly are. It's one of the reasons why I agreed to be co-host on this thing. No, I appreciate it. And in fact, right before we started recording, we were chatting it up, um, which was which was great. It's really, really fun. And, uh, you know, it's just easy to talk. It's it easy to unload about it because, you know, uh, we're dorks. <laughs> it's true. And dorks of a feather flock together. <laughs> uh, so, hi, how has your week been? Have you gotten to move yet? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I, I left scathing reviews about the company that uh, sold me the house. And uh, found that there were many others like it uh, and uh, felt kind of stupid for not looking that up first. Um, it's it's been a it's been a real bear. I had a small W today where we got something for free that's pretty expensive. Oh, good. Uh, but uh, but to be honest, it was the least they could do. I mean, with, uh, you know, like four months of delays Jeez. and just problem after problem after problem and the place isn't clean and there's there's trash from the workers all over the front and backyards you know and like i don't want to like get down on workers who may be working for not wonderful wages in the hot arizona sun sure and like i don't want to like pick on them but at the same time it's like 
Really? You're going to leave, like, Coke bottles on the ground outside where it's going to blow around and stuff? You're going to take all your caulk bottles and leave those around? You're going to leave wrappers? I mean, come on. Have a little pride. Yeah. Well, and I... I Maybe it's because I live in California, but I'd be real concerned about, like, bottles being left out in the blazing sun and that possibly causing a fire with the magnifying glass uh, effect. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I um, think there's less to burn in Arizona. But... <laughs> right. It's, it's all dead already. Um, <laughs> well, that makes it worse. California is quite uh, flammable. It um, really is. It, uh, the, it's this, on fire all the time. This is what happens when you take land away from the people who are actually taking care of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> so it is, and so it goes. Uh, you know, I, I teach government, and uh, I've been doing lots of lecturing. And, um, yeah, that comes up a lot. I'm sure it does. Uh, yeah, it really it, it informs so many other aspects of like our, our history, you know, in government and just U.S. history in general. In in such a way as like, wow, this really could have been magical. Yeah, you and, know, and and, and life is not terrible now, but it's like it could man, be better. It could be better. Like we could be, like really imagine a world where we had like made a hybrid culture. You know, that was like the best of both worlds. Man, I can't even imagine because it, that would just be so good, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine how, how much better the food would be. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Seriously. And and like, and it's really just a despicable thing after despicable thing. after. And, uh, you know, I teach in Arizona, so, I, you know, I have a pretty big native population, Um we there's a reservation just like a few miles away from the school, mm. so I I definitely try to be as respectful as I can being a teacher, but also looking the way I do and trying to tell them about that. You know, it's it can be awkward, and yeah. I I try to be as as careful as I can. But um anyway, <laughs> well, but on <laughs> the bright side, you are providing context. Because, like, they, they know how things are, but I think it may help to provide context for why they became the why things became the way that they are. That may well help to be like, okay, this is where things came from. This is how we got here. How do we fix it? How do we not repeat these problems? And Seriously. it definitely just like, and I've said it before, like, a big reason why I got into like learning about civics. Uh, post high school was just to like make more believable settings uh, for games, right? Like the the recent game you've been in has it, it's very high fantasy, mm-hmm. so you haven't had to like really think about that stuff very much. But I've had other games that were much more grounded, and that like there are effects on how the society works and you know, uh, how the economy might function, you know, there's, there's politics involved, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the wrath of the scorn game has been like gods against monsters, you know, good versus evil, black and white, you know, this history is just so interesting and nuanced, but also kind of depressing while also being incredibly hopeful. I was, um, 
you know, I taught about the uh, Mayflower Compact and the Virginia Company. Oh, and man. yeah, and of course that stuff is like all over the place. You know, you, you, you talk about how the, the pilgrims came over and they just starved to death. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just freezing and starving. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know how to work the land. Right. And they just died. Yeah, they just died. And then like, you know, finally somebody takes pity on them, helps them out. And, and what do they get in return? You know, it's it's horrific. And if that isn't and then, an argu- if that isn't an argument against compassion, I don't know what is. It's it's astounding, honestly. And then we like just yesterday we were talking about the Declaration of Independence and trying to square the the beautiful words that that Thomas Jefferson wrote versus um, his life. Yeah. Versus the fact that that he fathered children on a slave who he assaulted, yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry to uh, say it so bluntly, but <laughs> boom. But that's exactly it. And and this, the other thing is, they all know, right? Like this is this is basically common knowledge now. I'm glad. I'm glad though that that is common knowledge now because it was not when I was learning this stuff. No, and I agree. I think the the challenge for me has been. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater because this document, at least if we stay in this sort of preamble section of it, is quite <laughs> lovely, right? When uh, you get down to the nitty gritty near the bottom, it's less great. Um, but yeah, definitely the you know all men are created equal. That these are these are beautiful ideals that we don't live up to, but we should try to strive for. And I guess to bring it back to games a little bit, you know, <laughs> since I would like to be somewhat on topic. Um, boring. I know, Sorry, boring, teasing. right? <laughs> this is this is character arc stuff. Yeah, you know, this is, you know, it's so. It would be very easy to present a game where there's a lot of cynicism and a lot of hopelessness, and then to try to find hope within that that murkiness. Well, I mean, to to to, to bring it around to a game, um, Roland was very much in the like, this is the law. This is what's right and mm-hmm. wading into the murkiness was how he actually developed his character arc so you know yeah yeah um there's a lot of interesting stuff out there you just you have to be willing to look at it when it when it comes to storytelling you know the most basic formula is that life is the way it is and then you leave and then you come back with with new wisdom new light new mm-hmm. medicine whatever it is and you you lift up the tribe from that. Yes. And and that uh, is where the hope is. That's where the hope is, right? And otherwise, what's the point of all these stories? Yeah. You know, are are we going to be perfect tomorrow? No. Are we going to create utopia? I almost hope not. You know, but at the same time, like, you know, let's take the those little W's where we can and. Mm-hmm. But then not just say, well, quest over. Because the quest is never over. Because it is constantly striving towards good. Yeah. And we're, even as we try to define that, right? <laughs> we try to think, figure out what that means. That was definitely one of the big question marks in, in that campaign. Well, you know, um, the D&D universe has like a great cop-out answer. 
you know, which is, well, there is a plane of good. So whatever happens there defines it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a terrible response, but also, (laughs) you know, for the purposes of let's sit down and kill skeletons, like, okay, I buy it. Right. (laughs) Sure. Because I mean, in a game system. It does what it needs to do. Yeah. In a game system, when you're not like sitting down and just like big brain philosophing, um, yeah, you do need to have just like a clean answer every now and again, where it's like, those people are killing people. Maybe we should pr- deal with that problem. <laughs> I'm not a philosopher, but let's go ahead and intervene on that one and see what we can do. <laughs> um, and I, I'll say this, you know, we we always talk about things like the um, the the murder hobo and how a lot of players just see the freedom in these games and immediately try to, you know, abuse power and and cause chaos and destruction. Yeah, those are not players that I like playing with. In my in no. my in my power fantasy, I have the ability to do as much good as possible for as many people as possible. It's why, you know, when I played Dragon Age Origins, I would do the quote-unquote evil option for the trophy and then immediately reload the save and go do the thing I wanted to do in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, like, okay, I'll help Bronca, even though she's clearly just out of her gourd, you know? Like, no no rational person would choose this. Yeah. You know? um, Other than the the silly thing where you return and you just say, well, Keridan said, but now he's dead, so you can't check. You know, it's like, it is a little bit more sure to say, you could go talk to Bronca and she could corroborate my story. But... That again, there's no like that's the only good reason, yeah. Uh, everything else is like okay, she's she's out of her mind, and like, and also she married Ogren, <laughs> you know, uh, so clearly she's got no sense and never has. Ogren was such a divisive character, I loathed him, but I know oh, other yes. people who loved him. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anyone who loves Ogren. <laughs> There there are people who really like that, like, straight-talking, you know, dirty-minded kind of character. And I'm like, cool, have fun with that over there. Wasn't that, also a, Steve, wasn't that also a Steve Bloom character? Uh, maybe. Or did he just sound like him? Um, now I have to look. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, he does uh, have a bit more development in uh, the expansion. That's true. Gosh, what was that called? Where you meet Ander. But he's like a totally different character. Oh my god, you're right. That was Steve Bloom. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was. Oh um. no. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. No, Ogren did get some good um, rounding out in oh, what was that one? Awakenings. Yeah, Awakening. I think it was just Awakening. Awakening. That was it. Because yeah. Yeah. I had I had a lot of fun with Awakening and, and meeting Anders and Sir Pounce a lot. Just ah, <laughs> but I am I am the cat person, so yes, yes, um, I I understand. Anyway, um, <laughs> probably should get off the the soapbox now. Let's um let's continue uh, part two dis- of the player part stats. two. Yeah, so last time on Dragon Ball Z, uh, <laughs> we went over the physical stats that we would relate to players. And it's just a quick recap in case you didn't listen to that. 
The idea is that we are taking the ability scores from Dungeons and Dragons and sort of applying them to players in a creative way to give us a sense of how to measure where we're at skill wise as players and then to set goals for ourselves to build and improve. So strength had to do with uh, providing things for your group, providing things for your GM, taking on extra jobs, building a presentation, that sort of thing. Uh, even things like providing food and, and a place to play was had to do with strength. Heavy lifting, if you will. Uh, dexterity was all about flexibility and adaptiveness. And constitution had to do with game life balancing, you know, being able to endure longer sessions, more frequent sessions, while still like maintaining your life. Yep, that is a uh, an excellent r brief recap of the hour something conversation that we had on the subject. Yes. Yeah, so if you want to hear about the physical stats, then listen to that. Uh, but now we're going to move on to intelligence, wisdom and charisma, of course, starting with intelligence. So intelligence is in fact, all of the mental stats are going to be a lot more straightforward, right? So intelligence is this is players that understand rules. They can optimize builds. They collect information constantly. They can solve puzzles, perform uh, IRL investigation checks. <laughs> um, they can also they know lore as well. You know, they can they can just absorb and recall information. Right. They just know everything about the game. So there's a there's definitely a few players uh, that I think. I've seen that can do this. It was very intimidating having AJ Pickett in our Storm King's Thunder game. Oh, I can only imagine. Like, he's one of the only people. Him and Spike are two of the people that I would be like, yes. no, these are actual legit 18s. Yeah, those might be, yeah, like 18 level um, intelligence. Because they've forgotten more lore than I will ever know. Yeah, and so when I've got AJ in there and I'm, like, trying to riff on something, you know, I'm like, oh, is he going to, like, groan at this or something? But, you know, to, to his credit, he was uh, he was very kind. He was he, he, he was there to play and was not there to, like, criticize on what you were doing, which I – that that was um, something that I admired highly, where it was like I didn't even feel any level of, oh, well – shove glasses up nose well actually <laughs> i never yeah, yeah. i never felt an ounce of that from him no not at all not at all um you know whereas there there have been others where i've been like well okay you know that but let's play this game mm -hmm. right okay so anyway um if you have eight intelligence which again our eights are our only negatives so eight is you saw a critical role once or Stranger Things, but you refuse to look at a book. You assume that you know what an RPG is, in quotes, really about, and use this as an excuse to not know anything. So, if, if you can't tell from my description there, <laughs> I have a pet peeve. <laughs> what? You? Pet peeves? I, as I said last time, if you don't have pet peeves, you're, you're new or you're superhuman. <laughs> I know. It's just uh, I, sorry, Adam. I love you to pieces. You're neither. <laughs> that's fair. 
you know, but this is the thing that just really irritates me. Like, I'm like, hey, read the rules, learn what your character can do. And they're just like, but that's a book. <laughs> that's yes. work. Yes. And D&D is applied math. <laughs> and, you know, speaking as somebody that loves video games and plays video games all the time, you know, it's like, yeah, but sometimes take a break and read. Right. <laughs> it's not going to kill you. <laughs> You might learn something. You know, maybe maybe a couple of things. And I mean, there's so much reading that's involved in video games, too, if you really want to know what's going on. If you want to just, like, charge through with, like, um, you know, Le League of Legends, where there is a ton of lore, but you can absolutely play the game without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even in that case, fun. you still need to absorb just pages upon pages of information about how does my character work? Right. You know, what does this button do? And, and most of the time we just press Q, watch the animation and go, okay, I have the gist of it. Right. But like, if you don't read like all the things, you're going to miss out on stuff. You're going to play suboptimally. Yeah. In a way that'll get your team killed. Which they, <laughs> they don't like that. Um, I can't imagine anyone gets as pleased about something like that. No, not, not usually. Um, so at a 10, which is your average... You're a novice, and there's nothing wrong with that because you're trying to learn. So Fair. that that's that. You know, I will give you a ten if you just want to play and you want to learn, right? If you're just like, I'm above that. That's where that's eight land, right? Twelve is you probably knew more about an earlier version of the game or just have outdated knowledge. You make mistakes often, but you're getting better. I would also add into that. Um, you 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 have a pretty reasonable handle on what you can do, but you don't necessarily know about any rules outside of the immediacy of what you've experienced. I think that that's a good add-on there. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, there's a lot of different ways that we could sort of categorize this, but essentially it's you have a pretty solid knowledge, better than the average bear, but you're like, there's gaps. There's misconceived notions. Maybe you read the book, but it's been a minute. Things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was very much me, uh, I would say, the first time I started playing with Spike because, like, I really carried a lot of stuff over from third and fourth edition. And, sure. like, there were there were little things I didn't know. Like, I played, like, two different campaigns where I didn't realize that, like, all dice were rerolled on critical. I thought it was just weapon. Oh, which is, by the way, like if you couldn't do that as a rogue, there'd be like no point in playing a rogue. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because, I mean, my my three nat 20s in the last uh, Wrath of the Scorn game. Uh, yes. Getting all those extra sneak attack dice were amazing. Absolutely. So and it would have it would have been way lessened if it had only been uh, the the weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Way, way less, way less. I mean, the assassin class would basically make no sense, you know, and there was just a few other things here and there that I would learn. And I'd be like, wow, I really just don't know anything. You know, I'd watch some of these optimizer videos from like uh, Triumph Monk's Temple or uh, Pack Tactics. And, you know, they would go on and on about how hypnotic pattern is just this wonderful spell. And I hadn't seen it in a game. And then I like sat down and read it finally because I, I just gone well i don't really like the idea of hypnotizing people sure right 
And then it's like, okay, well, the way you need to think about this is that it's this is a mass hold person kind of thing, right? Sort of. Not not quite that good, but it's... Um, but effectively, you, yeah, you're not wrong. You're, you're crowd controlling a group of people unless they get hit. Like, that's amazing. That's, a, that's an amazing ability. And so then I started taking it on, on my character and I was like, wow, they're right. This is great. <laughs> well, and it's it's fascinating. I think the people who hang out at like the 12 are looking at things that are like purely damage dealing. These are the people who don't think that monks are very good as a class because mm-hmm. monks are more about crowd control than damage output. Yeah. Well, there's also the issue about key. But, you know, once you get to a certain level, that there's so much anymore. key, it doesn't matter, right? They just have a rough time for a while, which if they just fix that part of it, sure, would be fine. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and I think for a long time, the way I played the game is I would just read the, the features and I really didn't go into spells. And, and like the more you learn about the game, the more you realize spell casting is just so great. gee it's almost like the 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 swords and sorcery game uh relies at least as much on the the second half as the first yeah also it's a huge chunk of the book (laughs) yeah it it really is gods yeah it's like a third of the book is just listing what the spells do so yeah reading is good for you do that reading is good for you but also i'll just add in here like you don't have to remember everything i was watching a Ginny d reel uh, agreed, the, the other day and she was doing D D in a castle and she was running a game but she also got to participate in a game where jeremy crawford was the gm and, oh my gosh yeah right and he had to stop and look up some of the spells now and again. So if someone like Jeremy Crawford has to stop and look up <laughs> rules now and again, it's okay. You really, you, it really is okay to just go and read the thing. Well, yeah. And even when he reads some of his like notes, like when he answers questions his sage on Twitter advice. or whatever. Yeah, sage advice. He's kind of like, yeah, I get how it's weird here, but that's not what our intent is. Sorry about that. Like, I'm a human I'm trying yeah. over here. It's one of the, it's one of the reasons why why rules as intended I think is more powerful for me than rules as written. Yes, and and I think that a lot of times players that may not rely very much on increasing their intelligence might be because they lean a little bit more on wisdom or dexterity, hmm. where where they could just be like, well, what would be cool, right? And that can get you really far. It can, you know. That can create a lot of fun. But man, if you have both, that's yeah. even better. Yeah, because because if you if you know the rules, you know how to bend them. If you know the rules, you know where to apply them. For instance, like the jump spell. Oh right? my god. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that as intended, right? You know, where you, you still are limited by your foot speed. It's like you know what the guy's trying to do. Let him do the cool thing. Let him yeet himself into the situation. It'll be funny. It'll be funny, right? They get to be cool now, but then everyone else gets to take a turn. (laughs) (laughs) You know, instead of saying, well, you know, you're midair after so many feet, but you're out of movement. So now you fall to your doom. That's just not how physics works, though. (laughs) <laughs> right it's like like i understand that magic breaks <laughs> physics a lot of the time but an object in motion stays in motion if you're <laughs> yeeting yourself forward 
I'm going to let you finish the arc. It might yes. it might drop you short of where you wanted to be, but you're going to finish the arc. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's so lame otherwise. Yeah. Right? It's, it would just be terrible. So there are some things where yeah, we have to do a little bit of lifting on our own. Anyway, um number 14 or score 14, I should say. Uh, you have a solid knowledge of the game and lore, but there are some gaps in the areas where you're less interested. Puzzles are okay, but you have a definite time limit before you start looking at your phone. So I'll just say this. I generally hate puzzles. Yeah, I am not a puzzle guy either, which is why I would say my int is probably 12 or 13. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love riddles, but I generally dislike puzzles. And I think that they're in different categories, personally. Oh, yeah. Well, a, a poorly written riddle or or puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, can be incredibly frustrating. You know, uh, you know, you and I both love the Persona games. Yes. Very much. Uh, every now and then when you're in the dungeons, like there'd be a puzzle and I would have some difficulty with it. And I'll, I'll call over my wife because she likes doing that stuff. <laughs> and I'll hand her the controller. I'll say, can you puzzle for me? And she's like, ooh. And sits down and does it real quick, and then I can fight. Yeah, I, I did something like that uh, back in the day with one of the, the Legend of Zelda games um, on the Game Boy Color. It was, it was Oracle of Ages. I have never been good at, like, the puzzles where it's like you have to touch every block when you're walking around and that sort of thing. So I would hand it to my brother, have him finish that, and then I would finish the rest of the dungeon. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> that's... But, but for most of the Persona puzzles, really, just go to the red areas. Just ex- explore everything. You'll find what you're supposed to find. Yeah, it's not trying to break your brain. Uh, that's one thing that always got me when playing, like, God of War. I'm like, wait, why am I doing a puzzle? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the point of this? Why is why is Kratos, killer of gods, doing puzzles? This is dumb. This is something that's... that this is something that Link over in Legend of Zelda does because he's a he's a little twink boy. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? <laughs> this is for kids. You know, how does Kratos not just bash everything, you know, and just get through it? Anyway. Number, uh, if you have a 16 intelligence, you know the rules and the meta like a master. You look forward to the more cerebral challenges and things that push your build to the limit. Your biggest challenge is resisting metagaming with all the lore you've accumulated. I will say that is one of my greatest challenges when when we're playing in games in the Forgotten Realms because I love... I really do love lore. I love learning all of the deep stories behind everything that's going on. Um, and it can be difficult to be like, okay, but what does my character know? Yes. And why do they know that? And is there like a reason that I'd be able to ask the question that I, the player, am burning to ask? No, I, I 100% agree. And the other thing is when I, when I know I'm sitting there with experienced players that know the monster manual inside and out, I'll do a lot more homebrewing so that yeah. things literally are new. Um, whereas with younger players, you know, I can just do it right out of the book, you know, as intended. That's honestly one of the reasons why I have, because I play more than I GM, I have resisted the urge to pick up the monster manual and actually like read the whole thing cover to cover. I will look up whatever monsters I'm using for like arenas or for short, short things that I'm running, but I 
I will fully cop to the fact that I do not know a lot of monster stats. But there are things right. that there are things that I know, like you know, don't use fire on devils. That there is but no reason that some of my characters trolls. wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Use use fire uh, use fire on trolls, but not on devils. Um, right. And if you're up against an iron golem, really don't use fire because it heals them. Yes. Which is a thing that I used in an arena once that made my players so angry. It was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but like even that sort of thing I have to like try to keep as far away from my player brain as possible because it's like okay but would Risha know this but would Kelly yes. know this but would Iza know this and the answer for each of those characters would be different yes it, it would be different and it's you know this is also why literally taking uh, intelligence in the game is not necessarily the worst true uh, if you can gain information about monsters, even if you, the person, already know about them, mm-hmm. you know, that can be handy. Or if you forgot, you know, that's also nice. Intelligence definitely needs more love, though, and I hope that they give it more love for one D&D or Seriously. Okay, then finally we get to 18. <laughs> All right. The game publisher seeks your advice on lore, and you create popular character builds other people use. You pretend not to understand the solution to puzzles for a couple of minutes, just to give the others a shot. Sometimes you don't immediately end encounters with your superior tactics to help the GM create tension. <laughs> so, a- again, 18 is like, yeah, I could just end it all, but, you know, is that what's best for the game? <laughs> well, and this is the sort of area where, like, I have played with a couple of very high-end players, and I think what balances that out is, uh, when we're going to get into it in a minute, is having a reasonable wisdom score to be like, yeah, I could break everything because I know X, Y, and Z, but is that going to emotionally support the rest of the table? Yes, and I think that that's where it's like, okay, are you superhuman about it? To know everything, but to know when to apply is like the pinnacle of what we want to achieve. Okay, so uh, advice on growing. This is what I do, okay? Read a page or passage or section a day. It adds up quickly. You don't have to sit there and read the whole book and memorize it. You know, I literally learned like third and fourth edition just every time I used the restroom. (laughs) No. And I would just I would just read a little bit. Sure. You know? And if you do that every day, you're going to know a lot. Um, the other thing I said was, don't just read. Check yourself for understanding. And that's the, the very teacher-y thing of me coming out, right? Like, are you taking notes? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not just notes. It's also, can you apply it to the situation? Right. Can you can you at least think back what you just read and make sense of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I said is try to review spells and abilities when it isn't your turn. So you don't make others wait or get something wrong. This was, Again, I've had very experienced players say, I cast this spell, assuming that they understood how it worked. Mm-hmm. But they didn't read it. Nope. And then they get really frustrated because you're like, well, that cool thing you did that you were like saving up, it doesn't do what you think it does. And in fact, you made things worse. Right? Like fog is a great spell. Yes. But when it's not applied properly, (laughs) it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) 
No, I you know? I have seen that happen frequently at tables where someone read the first part of a spell or an ability and got really excited about it. And legitimately, because what it does is very cool, but you have to keep reading for the second half of the passage to where it says, you can't do it in this condition, this condition. If you're taking like this spell, uh, if, if you're taking a spell from another class, it has to be this then this um, school of magic. Like you have to keep reading. You have to read the whole thing because all of it is there for a reason. I think a good example of that would be like web, <laughs> you know, where it's like, wow, that's really cool. Big area just gets webbed out, you know, and uh, then they're stuck. And it's like, well, yeah, but now you're thinking that it's entangled. Right. Yeah. And it's like. This has to be, there has to be things that it can anchor to. It has to be between two spaces, you know, for it to remain there. Um, but also, did you know that you can use this to knock flying creatures out of the air, you know, uh, stuff like that. Like, it, it literally tells you that, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, if you don't read the whole thing, <laughs> you might miss that stuff. <laughs> um, let's see. The other thing I said was uh, transcribe your abilities onto paper. To force yourself to review. That is that is genuinely one of the best note-taking tips that I ever got was, sure, you can, like for me at least, taking notes on the computer is great, but I don't really internalize it unless my hand is moving through the action of making the words on paper. Because I no, really I, have I to agree. focus on what I'm putting there. Yeah, in fact, we're, we're taught when I have to do my various trainings and stuff. Like, make the kids take physical notes because they will learn it better um, than copy pasta from yeah whatever you had, right? Like, it completely defeats the purpose. Now, we do make exceptions for certain kids, but oh, of course. by and large, it's it's good to, to have them write words. And the last thing I wrote was watch lore videos, especially those made by AJ Pickett. Um, <laughs> So, because they're they're wonderful, and you get to hear his lovely accent. He does have a beautiful voice. I'll also add on to that. Um, people give things, people like like uh, Ari Salvatore a lot of crap for what Driss did to Rangers, but really, the novels of like the Forgotten Realms are an incredible way to learn the lore of the Forgotten Realms. If that's something that you're interested in, if you are interested in learning more about that sort of thing, there's a lot of Forgotten Realms novels. Uh, there's there's uh, novels for uh, Dragonlance and all of that side of things. So if you want to learn the lore, reading the experiences of the characters who are in the stories is a tremendous way to learn the experiences of these people in the way that they tell the story. So like right when I started college, I read the, the Dark Elf trilogy mm -hmm. by Salvatore you know, his first three books about Dritz, because what, he wrote like 15, 20 something, of them, something, something like, like that. that. Um, so I read the first three, and I got really into it. And so a lot of the stuff that I would GM about or play would kind of revolve around Dark Elves. Sure. Uh, because that's what I knew the most about. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that's something that every... I'm not going to say every new GM, because every GM, every storyteller, every player is going to focus on the parts of things that they know when they care about. So if you care more about Dark Elves, most of your stuff is going to be focused on that. If you care more about, you know, the ins and outs of the Lord's Alliance, you're going to be focused more on the intricacies and the policies of that sort of thing. Like, mm -hmm. 
that is just the case, and that's fine. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yep. If definitely. Nothing, if nothing else, it's going to inspire everyone else at the table to be like, what the heck are they talking about? And if they're interested, they'll dig deeper. And then we all learn and we all grow. That was one really big like challenge of Storm King's Thunder is that the book is just like, here's the entire north. Now oh. go ahead and let players just walk around. And it's like, then there's just blurbs about every place they could possibly go. Rhyme of the Frost and, Maiden is very similar with 10 yeah. towns. At least there's 10 towns. <laughs> not not 100, right? That does help it's, narrow the focus a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Still big, still like very unfocused. You know, but I so one thing I would say if you're if you're GMing an area and you don't know about the whole world, just zoom in, right? Yeah. And and let's let's we're going to know the heck out of the Deserin Valley, right? <laughs> we're going to know everything about the Moonshay Isles, right? Um, whatever. And there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that, honestly, like focusing yeah. in on something, focusing in on something and, and really uh, exploring the ins and outs of that is better than something that's huge, but unformed. Absolutely. In my in my in my slightly less than humble opinion. <laughs> slightly less than humble <laughs> yeah um okay let's move on to wisdom yes uh these are our players that are patient observant and understanding they notice when other players including the gm are feeling a certain way and try to help wise players care about everyone at the table and try to make everyone feel well uh, comfortable and welcome so um yeah players that basically have some degree of social skills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 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 interesting how often that is a skill that needs to be developed around the table. Because I mean, people people who come into this, I'm gonna pick on on your demographic a bit there, friend. Uh, people come into this from video games are a little bit yes. more focused on the. I'm gonna say the main character syndrome to an extent. Oh yeah, 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 totally. And that does take some work to learn the wisdom to understand that everyone together is the main character, which is, you know, there is no one main character, or at least there bloody well shouldn't be. Yeah, not we, nobody wants to be Krillin, right? Nobody's interested in being being Krillin. Some people want to be Sam, but honestly, is Sam not the main character? <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that this is maybe the most important skill if I were to to weigh it, because like how many games just fizzle? How many times do you have table drama? You know, how many times do people just get tired of talking to each other? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of it just has to do with a lack of sensitivity and an understanding and like be, being able to process your own emotions to communicate with another uh, human being without forcing them to like live by your outlook. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And it is difficult. It is be because we, we live in our own heads. And so to yes. us, our perspective makes the most sense. And that takes work to break out of that particular mindset. And it's hard. And when it, when it comes to, to these games, a lot of us can be solipsists where we only see ourselves 
as real mm-hmm. and everyone else around us is an NPC in our game, you might say. I would say that if you get a lot of warnings and negative conversations and you've been kicked from a few tables, maybe many tables, this is maybe something to look at. True. Let's see. Okay, so here's uh, here's eight. Here's the negative, okay? You are a selfish jerk <laughs> who only cares about themselves. Way to rip the Band-Aid off. I know. Speaking of sensitivity, right? <laughs> I know. Like, I immediately felt stupid, like, reading that. Anyway, uh, when all the other players made epic characters with dramatic backstories, you showed up with a clown named Poopy McFartface. And here we see that you're a teacher who deals with children. (laughs) I I, I really am, yeah. (laughs) Low wisdom players uh, with lots of experience are actively competing with their GM to establish their superiority. So, again, this is like, you don't know your table etiquette. And you might not care. Ten wisdom is you honestly just can't tell what the others need, or you're overly focused on yourself. You mean well, so you generally assume everyone is fine with whatever is going on. For some reason, people stop playing with you and you're never sure why. You might be the problem and not realize it. It's, it's the same situation as if all of your exes are crazy, maybe you should look at what the <laughs> common denominator is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man, there was a John Cusack movie that was about that, where I forget what it's called, but he would go through, like, he went through a a breakup, and then he went and, like, called all of his exes to, like, interview them and ask them why. I think I remember this, because my my, my housemate had had a, a John Cusack phase. Yeah, and, wait, was it John Cusack? Yeah, I think it was John Cusack. Sometimes I get him mixed up with Vince Vaughn, which is weird because they really don't look alike. But anyway, he was working at a record store. High Fidelity. High Fidelity. That's it. Was that John Cusack or yep. was that Vince Vaughn? No, it was John Cusack okay. and Jack Black, apparently. Yes, Jack Black also worked at the record store. You're right. It was High Fidelity. And it's like, is he, <laughs> he just realized he was an a-hole, right? Like that was like <laughs> the, the, the main takeaway, you know? Hey, it's me. At least he realized it. You know, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, that is something. Um, I think. I think a lot of times people are like, aren't maybe cognizant that there is an issue, that there's drama, maybe that they're making someone else uncomfortable, or that someone else at the table is making someone else uncomfortable. Like, especially if it's like you. Let's say you make friends with somebody, and then you make friends with somebody else in a different like sphere. And then you bring them both to the same table. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, you're my friend and you're my friend. So we're going to get all along. And sometimes and like, it just don't work that way. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we don't have the right chemistry. Right. And it then, you know, your friends start distancing some, themselves and you're like, well, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, well, one of them's oil and one of them's water. You know, what can you do? Okay. Uh, 12, you are generally observant, but you have your blind spots and triggers. Sometimes you need to come up with a good apology the next day, but at least you recognize the mistake. You want to help when you notice that others aren't feeling 100%, but you tend to sympathize instead of empathize. Well, at least. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, in-game arguments bleed into real-life ones. That's something that is a huge problem. 
And then finally, sometimes you backseat GM, but try not to. I hate it when I see the ego battles happening. Oh, gosh. That is genuinely super uncomfortable to watch. It really is. When it becomes me versus you and mm-hmm. we're no longer talking about the game. And then you say, and then you, the cop out is, well, no, I'm talking about the game. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like, come on. That is extremely transparent. Everyone can tell that we've gone beyond that. And yeah, it makes it really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. So don't do that. Uh, yeah, maybe no, don't, uh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Right. I, I think there's nothing wrong with just, you know, saying, hey, uh, I need to take a, a quick break. Uh, can I use your bathroom? You know, something like that. Can I get a, go get a drink of water? Go outside, walk around the house a couple of times, get some fresh air. You know, uh, just just, you know, punch the other guy, you know, whatever, you know, but try not, not to do that. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> we, we like to not okay. encourage assault. <laughs> OK, fair enough. Um, if you need to punch something, most places have couches and couches have good <laughs> solid cushions that you can punch. That's right. That's right. Or, or, um, or, or go kick a rock down the driveway. It's fine. Uh, there are a lot of players that have difficulty not playing themselves. Sure. And when you when you overly insert yourself into the game, you're going to end up taking everything personally. Yeah. And that is a, a big problem. I also see a lot of times with players, if I'm like a, um, a villain, right? And maybe I'm trying to do my like villain monologue or I'm trying to like banter back and forth. You know, it it can sometimes feel like it's becoming me versus you, mm-hmm. and then it's like not so good. It's like just say the line, you know, or players are are pulling from their own language as opposed to the language of their character, mm-hmm. the way their character would would interact. Your character has eight intelligence, eight charisma, twenty strength. You're gonna you're go like, punch something, and then you're like. Well, actually, that's not very logical, and you you just committed the straw man fallacy, and it's like, okay, so you feel like you need to show everyone how smart you are, and by the way, no one's impressed. I don't know. I know a lot of people with eight intelligence who try to pull that that they know what the straw man fallacy is. They're usually wrong, but it's funny to watch. <laughs> It's like the easiest fallacy. (laughs) (laughs) You are correct. Also, they still get it wrong. (laughs) They still get it wrong. Yeah, Yeah, you know, special pleading can be a little bit tricky. You know, we understand. Um, Okay. Uh, 16. So now we're getting up there. I I think you jumped over 14. Did I jump over 14? Well, if you don't have 14, sometimes you skip 14. Um, (laughs) Okay. 14, you've been playing for a while and are starting to learn that there's a separate unspoken game happening at the same time as your actual game. You're becoming sensitive to subtextual statements and learning when to back off or push back. You're good at making peace and moderating arguments. So this is a skill, right? Like learning to human. (laughs) And to human socially with other humans who maybe don't have these skills. 
you know, as a as a teacher of young people, trust me, this is something I've really been trying hard to build up. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. I It's one of the reasons why I would not have the patience to be a teacher of young people, because it's like, I understand your prefrontal cortex is not yet developed. <laughs> also, I want to put your head through several desks. <laughs> By the way, I want to put something through your front <laughs> cerebral cortex. Um yeah, and every now and then I can catch myself, my blood getting up if a kid's rude, or if, you know, or I try to, like, clap back, which you just shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to play the game. You don't get into the muck. You know, you always want to play your character as an educator. But anyway, um, yeah, we. but sometimes it's not just about capitulating. It's not just about, you know, getting along to get along. Sometimes we do need to have the conflict. Sometimes we do need to go through the pain and make something unpleasant. Now, we should usually do that one-on-one. But, you know, if somebody is disparaging someone else at a table and it's part of a pattern and maybe they've been corrected before, now it might be time to, to push back and to do so in a way that is firm and mature. Which, again, not always easy to find the right balance there. But if you have a 14 wisdom, you might know it. Or, or at least you're starting to edge in that direction. Because I think the, the, the statement that got left off at the end of that is sometimes you give advice when people don't want it, though. At mm-hmm. the end of your little write-up yeah, there. <laughs> which, which, is, which is correct. Because sometimes like you see something happening and you want to jump in, but you don't necessarily know the context of what's going on. And wisdom is learning how to dive deeper into the subtext of it or even just stop and ask. Like, I think a lot of the wisdom problems can get cleared up by having open and honest conversations with people where it's like, hey, are we good? Are you good? Are you okay? Because you just had a really serious conflict moment between the two characters. Are you both okay? Or do we need to talk about this? And it can be a lot easier to pick these things up when you're in, in, in an in-person game. Yes, very much so. Yeah, sometimes we miss things online, you know, because uh, all we have is voice. It's one of the reasons why I prefer to play over video of some variety, whether it's Discord video or Zoom video or something, so that I can start picking up on some of the tells to be like, no, that person looks genuinely uncomfortable. Do I need to shoot them a message on the side to be like, are you okay? Yeah, if they got their face in their hands, <laughs> they haven't moved for a while. It's like, oh, I mean, unless that is genuinely what the character is doing at that moment, which has happened. But unless that, like, it's good to suss that out. All right, guys, let's take a ten minute to maybe ten hour break, depending <laughs> on how this goes. Possibly um, a two week break if we really need time. Break. It really can be. Also, yeah, you know, that's another thing about wisdom. It might be like. When you need to take a break from this, when maybe you need to be the one that leaves the table, you yeah. know, because it's just, you, you, you're you just not going to work with some people, right? Sure. Because that's okay. Absolutely. Because, I mean, there is a certain amount of grace that needs to be given for people who are learning how to human, but it should not come at the expense of your own peace, unless you're a teacher and that's what you're getting paid to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to sometimes I have to grin and bear it. Right. You know, and just do the best I can. Yeah. Actually, I had a, you know, a, just a quick aside. Um, I had a little experience like that this week. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, right at the... Well, actually, I guess it was last week, but it was at the end. Did I tell you the story about this the this girl that I had kind of a, a headbutt moment with? No, I don't think so. No. So I, I had the student in my art class, you know, not my government class, you know, the, <laughs> the art class, right? The one that's supposed to be fun. I, um, I feel like there's more headbutting in art classes than in government classes. <laughs> I guess so. Um, anyway, we have a strict no cell phone policy and mm. the whole school has got to abide by it. And... You know, one thing about children, no matter how old they are, that you have to understand is once you tell them the rule, they will test it. They have to test it. That's part of their nature. Yeah, that's part of their development as a human. It is. It is. And they need to know whether or not you are going to abide by your, your own rules. And by the way, if you don't, they actually like it less. Mm-hmm. But, of course, in the moment, they might not be very happy. Anyway, this girl, she got out her phone. She started screwing around on it. And I said, I have given warning after warning. We went, we just went over the syllabus. You accepted the terms. You know what's supposed to happen. And uh, she was like, well, I I don't want to, basically. You know, she fought me on it. Sure. And I, and I was just trying to be really matter of fact, like, I'm sorry, but this is the policy and I need the rest of the class to know that this is the policy. This is how it is, right? You must give it up mm-hmm. and you will, and you can get it back from the assistant principal with your parents. And by the way, this is not fun for me. No. Right? Not at all. Man- and ma- so- maintaining boundaries and rules isn't fun for anyone unless you're a sadist. <laughs> That I definitely am not. No, I know um, you're not. Like, it's not fun <laughs> to have to push back on people who are like, but I don't want to. And they're like, to them, that may not seem like there's a good reason for it, which, you know, that's neither here nor there. In, in fact, I don't like confrontation at all. <laughs> it's something I, I generally try to avoid. I completely understand that. Yeah, I am, I am definitely, I definitely don't like that, which can sometimes cause worse problems because then I don't resolve them until they get really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the, the this girl, she gave me a lot of attitude. She gave me the phone finally, but man, she talked up a storm. And so I wrote her up. I had to write her up for the for the phone and I had to add in comments about her attitude. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to be just really patient and understanding and professional while still like kind of letting it roll off my back a little bit. Like, okay, this is a kid. They're going to be a kid sometimes. Uh, Luckily for me, mom was 100% on my side. Oh, thank goodness. Because I could certainly, I imagine, be uh, a whole other battlefield. So I don't know what mom said, but mom brought the heat. And uh, I got an email that evening from the student, which I could tell was definitely like ghost written by mom. Right. (laughs) But it was like it was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel like anything. You did anything wrong. I will behave myself. I will follow the rules. I you know, you'll never have this problem for me again. And I'm like, and I just write back. Great. I look forward to working with you. You know, you just don't be petty. And then, um, you know, the next day she was a model student. And then the day after that, she was a model student. And then a model student, you know. And I could tell there was part of her that didn't want to be a model student. 
but her the voice of her mom was playing in her head, right? And so she was grinning and burying it. And you know what? I respect it. I'll take it. I don't need you to really like me. I just need you to be a professional. Then I messaged her mom directly. And I said, let me tell you, this this kid, she's doing fantastic. She has really turned it around. She's been ideal. Thank you. We've been getting along ever since. Good. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> real real life uh, wisdom level up on that kid's part. Having, <laughs> having to grit. Because, I mean, definitely one of the, the harder parts of wisdom is like, you need to know when, like you said, you need to know when to push back and when to let it be. And that's really hard sometimes where it's like, I want to push back. Everything in me is saying this isn't right, but this is right, even if I don't think so. Absolutely. And, you know, on the other hand, if she had gotten her phone out, started crying and then walked out of the room without permission... I wouldn't necessarily see that as a time where I would need to write a referral. I'd be like, sure. okay, she's clearly having a crisis. You know, I'm going to message somebody, probably a female staff member to go check on her, you know? Yeah. Because you know, I mean, that's a different deal. The, the, the thing about wisdom is that, you know, when, when there are exceptions to the rule and if someone is like, you know, the student isn't supposed to have their cell phone. But their grandmother is dying. Right. Which, to be fair, is almost always the excuse. Well, yes, you, but, so, but sometimes it's legitimate. <laughs> like, sometimes it's it's hard to tell when it's legitimate. I tell you, some of these kids have like 16 grandmas. <laughs> like, I don't know how they collected so many. They're like infinity stones. Um. Anyway, uh, going on to 16. I am at 16 now, right? Yes, you are actually <laughs> okay. at 16 now. All right. You are a very sensitive and composed player. You manage yourself incredibly well and can easily diffuse tension. Sometimes the challenge is too big for anyone to handle, but you recognize that and know that some groups just don't work and don't need to. Um, this is something where I, I have never been kicked out of a table uh, that I can recall, but there have been a few I've walked away from. Yeah, same. Uh, th there have been a few where I've just been like, not working out for me. I would ra I'd rather do something else. And again, for for your piece, no D&D &D is better than bad D&D. &D. And bad D&D yes. &D does not mean that the people playing it or the people doing things are necessarily bad. It's just not right for you. And it yes. takes a lot of wisdom and maturity to accept that. Yeah, it 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 does and you know, and it, it would be really easy to say, well, that group sucked or that GM sucked or or whatever, you know, versus it's fine. But I feel like I'm like, even my presence is less fun for them because I'm not feeling it. Yeah. I, I, I've, hmm, let me think. No, every table that I have left, it was not a bad table. They were not mm -hmm. bad people. They It was not a bad GM or bad players. They were just people that didn't jibe with me and I didn't mm. jibe with them. So we were, collectively that the the sum was worse than than each of its individual members and me removing myself was better for that group because they could you know enjoy themselves with, with what they were doing without me having to fight back the urge to roll my eyes very loudly 
<laughs> they can like literally hear it. There have it. been times where I'm positive my <laughs> eyes were clanging as they rolled, and I was like, "Oh no! If I am not, if I'm spending like three to four hours every couple of weeks not having fun, this is not a good use of my time, and I'm I'm harshing everyone else's fun." Yeah, and we we don't want to be that guy. We really right? don't. It's just not good for anyone. And I think part of the challenge sometimes is that we're like. Man, where am I going to find another table, right? Like, it's yeah. hard, it was hard enough. Like, we've at least our schedules work. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that is. But, yeah, but you are right. No D&D is better than bad. Yeah, and there are so many places now where you can go to find a group, whether it's something like Start Playing where you can find a paid group or, like, there's tons of D&D Facebook groups where people are looking for players all of the time for uh, unpaid groups. Yeah, that that is true too. But I also am a firm believer in playing in paying your GM in some way. Oh yeah. Whether whether that's by pizza, written positive reinforcement, or literally paying them. Yeah. You know, like if you want a good service, then you're gonna get what you pay for, right? Okay, uh, eighteen. <laughs> you might be an actual empath. People feel at peace when you enter a room, and your real-life dialogue is filled with non-pretentious wisdom. People feel like playing with you is actively improving their life. 18 Wisdom. You know, these are the people we strive to be. <laughs> these are the people we strive <laughs> to be. Uh, right? If I could actually give non-pretentious wisdom, that'd be nice. I know. Well, to be fair, this is like a like advice show so within yeah. that context it makes it a little bit better <laughs> you know all the stuff i'm saying is not stuff i would tell other people to do during the game no <laughs> because that nobody again nobody really wants advice right and, and that's something that a lot of us like get wrong when it comes to human interaction uh, people don't like advice they want empathy yeah. And they, they want to be understood and they want to feel like somebody's on their side sometimes, even if they're totally wrong. You know, they still want to feel like you're in their corner. One of the um, one of the strongest uh, tools that I have learned for human interaction, especially as someone that people do vent to, is asking the question, do you want to vent or do you want advice? Sure. Because sure. if I'm listening with the intent of giving advice, I'm listening differently than I am to, with the intent of, oh, my gosh, he's totally did you wrong, girlfriend. I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. And if you can say that, then great. <laughs> say that, right? You know, <laughs> people usually love reinforcement. Sure. But if someone is if someone doesn't want advice and you're, you know, Tr you're trying to solve the problem as opposed to doing what they actually want you to do and just listening. That's it, they're not. Everyone's going to come. Out of, everyone is going to come out of that unsatisfied. Yeah, I. Yeah, and that that is definitely like wisdom one hundred and one. Like that's one of the first things you learn, and uh, then you try to. But trying to work on it is it can be hard because sometimes you're saying something and it reminds you of stuff, so you want to share, mm -hmm. and it's like. Here's wisdom. Don't talk right now. 
know. Yeah. And, <laughs> Just and, stay quiet. And it can be very difficult because, like, one of the natural impulses is, oh, my gosh, I totally understand. Here's the experience that I had that, that is similar had, to yours yeah. that that tells you yeah. why I understand where you're coming from. But if 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 handled poorly or generally, frankly, at all at that point, you're just making it about you, or at least it seems like you're just making it about you. Absolutely. So like for, for your growth goals, it's, you know, being cognizant of things like that, just asking questions about how people feel. That's asking a question is so much better than advice. Mm -hmm. You know, just either walking them through it you know, without obviously trying to lead them into a conclusion you want, you know, because people will will see that usually. Oh, yeah. We're, we're often far more transparent than we think we are. <laughs> and um, people are smarter than we give them credit for. Because, yeah, right. I mean, it, it is a common failing to treat people like NPCs when, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, every person is a real person with their own experiences and they can see <laughs> right through you, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, agreed. Um, another thing that could be could be good for dealing with your own feelings, because sometimes wisdom is understanding ourselves, is uh, writing them down. Um, is trying to you know verbally examine what those things are, and that might be saying them out loud in a room where you're by yourself, talking to your dog or plant, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes you have to hear your own idea out loud to realize you're ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like it's true. I'll, I'll get into like an argument with my wife. I'll say something out loud, and I'm like, I'll like immediately I'm like, you know what? That's dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's important because um, you need to have perspective on the way that your own brain works. Because I mean, again, things that are happening in our own heads are so much realer than other people's perspective. And if you can say it out loud and be like, I would not accept that argument if it were coming from anyone else. That is very valuable. Yeah. Um, and let's also focus on rev- reviewing reviewing what we're going to say. Like sometimes when like if we're sitting there talking, I can't necessarily edit a lot because we're just going. Mm-hmm. But like if I write you something, especially something that's going to be uncomfortable don't hit send the moment you write it, you know, read it, maybe even write something that is all of the immature ranting you would like to do and then delete it. Yes. Right. Like get rid of like You can get those feelings out, but don't send them. Get rid of anything that can be an attack. Also get rid of anything that is talking down. Don't, don't talk from a position where you're superior. Yeah. Because again, people feel that they read that. And then that then your actual argument is lost. Yeah. One of the things that I have been working to do lately is when I'm, you know, even making a joke or making a comment somewhere in a situation that might be kind of charged, I'll write out what I what what I want to say, the joke or whatever, and then I look at it and be like, ah yes, if I were in that person's situation where they may be feeling X, Y, and Z would I take this as funny, like I intended to be, or would I take mm-hmm. it as the, you know, the subtle undercut? Yeah, there's some stuff that just doesn't work when written. Yeah. 
It's like, do they have an emoji for this? They have an emoji for almost everything. But are they going to know what even the, the emoji is trying to do? I uh, want but- a standardized <laughs> sarcasm font. <laughs> I want this to the very core of my being so that when you see the sarcasm font, you know you're not supposed to take it seriously and you can come into it with a smile already. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when in doubt, take it out. Yeah. <laughs> so- um, okay, let's move on to charisma and wrap things up. Yes. Charisma. Uh, this is your ability to make finger guns. <laughs> no, that's awkward bisexuals, Adam. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, players that are... These are excellent communicators and actors. They are probably doing voices and doing them well. They keep the hype train going and react well to what the GM is throwing at the party. They engage in dialogue with other players to get maximum characterization. So, charisma is, well, charisma. Or as the kids say these days. Riz. (laughs) (laughs) The Riz. We both started saying it at the same time. We did. We did. (laughs) We did. We have one brain now. Adam, we're old. (laughs) We're old. (laughs) Yeah, if, if the listeners can't tell from us, like, meandering around points, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go a little faster. Uh, when it comes to charisma, here's the eight. Uh, you are a monotone with no characterization, and not even a way that's lovable like Daria, right? Huh. Um, you tried an accent once, and it didn't work out, so you vowed to never try again. The GM usually feels like you're bored, even if you're not, actually. You're just not putting the personality out there, right? And, you know, maybe I should have built on this one a little bit better because this isn't necessarily anyone's fault other than, like, maybe you got discouraged ones. Um, I think a better eight would be, like, you, you some other reason you're willfully not doing it making it making fun of of other people who are doing voices by like mocking their voices and things like that oh for sure you know like where you're just trying to like undercut other people's attempts or 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 make fun of it when they're excited about something Uh, yeah like don't pop someone's balloon yeah don't 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 go in and make it uncomfortable when other people are having fun just let people have their fun let people like what they like dang it (laughs) Also, a little bit of encouragement can really go a long way. You know, just tell someone that you like what they what they tried and let them know you believe in them a little bit. But um, anyway, when it, when it comes to us building our own charisma, a 10 would be you can't necessarily start the hype train, but you can board it. It takes others to help you get going, and that's okay. You're at least willing to try. You do have one voice, though, and grates on everyone's nerves, and they're too polite to tell you. <laughs> or, um, or, or you only, ha- or, or you don't have a character voice at all. Like one of the difficulties in that can be, I can't always tell when someone is doing, when someone is saying something in character, and when they're saying something out of character that's funny. And it can be it can it can be difficult because it's like, am I supposed to take what you just said as in character thing? Because I have two different reactions. One is Tiana, and one is my character. <laughs> and they are yeah. very different sometimes. Yeah, I and this is a, that's a whole other skill is like just trying to make someone who isn't you, mm-hmm. um, or is just an aspect of you. Um, you know, I I played with a guy 
for a long time, and every single character he made was the exact same person. <laughs> and they'd be like, no, look at my backstory. There's Everything's different. It's like, mm. But you're not playing that. Maybe in your head. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's happening in your head. It's definitely not coming out here. Okay, uh, 12. You might or might not do voices or accents, but you always have a certain tenor when it comes to your character dialogue. You might only have one character you really play, and your characters are just slight variations on you. The GM likes you, though, and appreciates your enthusiasm. And I think the, the word there is... That's key is enthusiasm. Yeah, because I mean, I will say as as on the GM side of things, I'm bad at voices, which is hysterical because I make my living with with my voice. But I am bad. I'm bad at improv character voiced words. Yeah, that's a whole other bear, right? It's another thing. It's one thing to read it. Yes. It's another thing to just come up with it. Yeah, I can narrate in a bunch of different accents, but I can't keep the accent if I'm trying to improv what, like, five different characters are saying. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily be good at voices, but be enthusiastic about how you throw yourself into the character and how you portray them. And if Andrew is doing a different accent, I'm going to start doing that accent. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a very strong leading voice. I will absolutely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm lost. I was just totally lost. It was actually so really sad. it was actually really funny in uh, Blood and Thunder how similar Roland Kelladry and Jackson's voices became over the course of the, uh, uh, not their voices, their accents, how similar they became over the course of the game. It's true, yeah. Like the Roland was much more cartoony starting out, and then near the end, it was yeah. You're right. We all sort of kind of merged into this is the campaign voice. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> where, where it's like I mean, we do sort of the heightened accent type of things, but it's not necessarily <laughs> what you were doing initially with the King George voice. Yeah, well, it was literally you'll be back. You know. Uh, <laughs> Players that are excellent communicators and actors, you know, doing ease for your A's. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, um, uh, Kelladry liked Roland a lot more the more that he lost that nasal quality. <laughs> oh, well, who didn't, right? And of course, like for you as the person doing the performance, you get tired of doing the same thing over sure. and over. And so it's like, this is going to be part of my development, mm-hmm. um, you know, is just chilling out a little bit. Um, okay. 14. You have a small handful of character voices you do, and people generally seem to appreciate them. You find yourself doing voices in the car or shower so you can practice. (laughs) I do that all the time. (laughs) You get genuinely excited during games uh, when someone does something exciting, but you can't really fake it, which isn't necessarily bad. And by the way, charisma is not all about can I do an accent. A lot of it is just like tenor. Mm-hmm. tone feel you know uh it can be vocabulary choice um you don't necessarily have to put on an accent to have good charisma if you're excited if you're having fun at that table and you're expressing it and that's going to like motivate your gm it's going to motivate your fellow players because they're going to feel like they're part of something special and that's really the kind of charisma the table needs well, and that and that is what charisma generally is, is getting other people excited about what's going on and pushing them to higher heights and, you know, helping pull them down into the deeper depths when you're really like driving into the emotionality of a scene. 
you know, this is something where I, I have to give uh, Andrew a lot of credit as a player, um, because if I would uh, if I would do something and he's been playing with me for years. Right. But I would do something in a game that was meant to be exciting and he would pick up on that. And even if he wasn't like genuinely shocked or surprised, he would still like act like it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because he was like, but you're my friend. This is the reaction you want. And I'm going I'm to do it. And I wouldn't always do the same thing in his games, which was something I needed to work on. 16, you have taken responsibility of driving hype at your table. Sometimes you need to fake it, but it's all in service to the game. You're a really good voice actor, and you might need to consider it as a career. Tiana, you should consider this as a career. What? What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're on about. (laughs) What are you on about, eh? Yeah, I mean, we're just, we're, people maybe even show up to, to the table just to watch you, right? Just to enjoy your presence, man. When you have a group of people with high charisma together that are also being respectful and they're all like playing their characters and bouncing off of each other's energy, I mean, it's magic. That is pretty much a unicorn table, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love, I have seen it a couple of times. I've been at those tables a couple of times, and it is, you're right. It's absolutely magic. Yeah, but you're right. It, it is a unicorn. It's, <laughs> it's very rare. Um, and I think that's part of the joy that people get out of watching something like Critical Role. Yeah. Because everybody there is an 18 charisma, basically. God, basically. But, but, except for the except for the guy that got kicked out. <laughs> well, but he got kicked out, and for a reason. Uh, but also, for, like, if people are able to... Um, I think it's. I think the first episode is available on YouTube. Check out Dimension 20's Dungeons and Drag Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone there is just like high key performer because drag queens. That is. Yeah. That's what they do, and they're all from RuPaul's Drag Race, so they're familiar names. And oh my gosh. They don't know the game very well. They're low on a bunch of the other stats, <laughs> but everyone there carries it with charisma. Right. You didn't show up to see their optimized Gloomstalker build. No. Right? <laughs> In fairness, uh, that's one of the things that I think Dimension 20 does really well. I can't think of a single character who is quote unquote optimized, but they're yeah. all there with interesting stories and interesting ways of playing the game and that's why i keep coming back to the things that they do this this could really just go a long way for your game right and i think this is there's a lot of players that are high charisma low intelligence (laughs) (laughs) because they're just like yeah that part's not important what's important is me And if and if they're and if they're high charisma and at least middling wisdom with the ability to know, you know, when because there are times that the spotlight is on a player or a character and they need to be able to step up and take that hook and go with it because God, mm-hmm. there is nothing more frustrating than being the GM giving that hook and then just watching the player be like, oh, but I couldn't possibly. It's like no, possibly. this is your moment in the limelight. Take it, enjoy it. Yes, yes. It, yeah, sometimes it's hard to deliver because it's maybe not what they expected. Sure. Right? And 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 there is a, a, a lot to be said for that, where it's like they have to quickly recalibrate what they were expecting, but also at least middling wisdom to be like, this isn't my scene. This is when I should mm-hmm. pull back and give support to the person whose scene it is. 
Yes. Uh, also, uh, pro tip, when a, a fellow player is fighting their rival, don't try to get that killing blow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you're GMing that game, that bad guy now has magical hit points that weren't there before until <laughs> this player lands a hit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there are things that you have to do that are narratively satisfying that have nothing to yeah. do with the mechanics and balancing those is can be very difficult. Yeah, I, I had a game where uh, there was a, and this was nobody's fault, but we, we had a player whose father was like a main, a major antagonist for the game, but they ended up having more of a, of a antagonistic relationship with a different player. Like oh. the, the, the chemistry just worked out that way. And it was like more compelling, frankly. And then, but then the other player was like, but that's my bad guy. Right. And that's, that was fun to try to navigate. Boy, um, I'll bet. So uh, the way I solved it was uh, they both got to kill him at different times. Cause he used clone. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that a cop out? Absolutely. And, um, well, what are you going to do? I mean, I've been watching a lot of She-Ra, and there are definitely moments where I was like, that's a cop-out, but I see why you did it. <laughs> cop-out, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of critical role, if you have 18 char charisma, you are Matt Mercer. That's all I wrote. <laughs> Man of a thousand voices. Uh, by the way... um. Anyone who's listening to the show is doing so uh, much lo uh, further after it came out uh, because you were all playing Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> and probably me included. And uh, part of the reason why you're looking so forward to Baldur's Gate 3, other than it's going to be the greatest video game of all time, is because Matt Mercer is voicing Minsk. Oh, it, it has truly been a joy playing through Persona 5 again and listening to Mercer being Yusuke Wiz as the drama <laughs> fox. I I love him so. He is so dramatic. and He is so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine is going to cosplay Yusuke at some point, and we all, in our circle, we just call him drama fox. Like, I had to think about drama what his name fox. actually was. Gosh, that's so on the nose for that guy. Um <laughs> There was a, there's only one character in Persona Five that grates on my nerves, and and, and it's a, well you probably know it's it's the one that's always divisive, which is Morgana. I just um, um, I do not like Morgana. I love Morgana, but I but I <laughs> but I also understand why people yeah. don't. I I, yes. I I understand it, even though I disagree. I do understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, but. You know, the important thing is, Tiana, at the end of the day, we both agree that Makoto best is girl. queen. And best girl. Yes. Um, the the bestest there ever was. Very much so. I and adore And she'll never be one like her again. Never. <laughs> our, our class president forever and always. Indeed. Um, <laughs> growth goals for Charisma. <laughs> Watch a video. Uh, play Persona 5 and fall in love with Makoto. Um, uh, yes, obviously. Obviously. Uh, practice key phrases. Read signs in your car or on your shampoo bottles with your desired voice. Uh, record yourself and review it. 
that's that can be hard. Like nobody likes to do that, but uh, it can help a lot. It genuinely took me a long time as a professional voice actor to be okay with listening and even enjoy listening to my own voice. It has taken me literally almost a decade to get to that point. So to those who take this piece of advice, which I do recommend because uh, the accent in your head will probably not be as strong as it sounds on the outside. Um, it's okay. Everyone hates the sound of their own voice. Yeah, they really do. And part of it is because it doesn't sound like the way we hear ourselves because we hear ourselves vibrating off of our own skull. <laughs> The, the, the way that it was described to me in uh, one of my voice for the actor classes is it's the difference between listening to a piece of music if you are inside of the acoustic guitar and outside of it. Because uh. when you're talking, you're listening to your voice bouncing around all of the empty spaces, your sinuses in your skull, and mm -hmm. it has more resonance and more depth. Whereas on yeah. the outside, no one else hears it that way because they're not in the center of this incredible instrument that is the way the human skull is set up. Yes. Yeah, that's 100% true. Um, and we used to, I did drama in high school. And in my head, I was always a lot more expressive than I was. Yeah. And especially for like stage acting, you have to be a little extra. Mm-hmm. Because people are seeing you from further away. Yep. And so uh, reviewing videos was always tremendously helpful because the director would be like, do it this way. And I'd be like, I am. And then you watch it. No, I'm not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And that's such a, a tricky balance to navigate because you want to feel the inner truth and not have it be cartoonish. But it also needs to read to the nosebleed seats. It, it does. It needs to read. And so, like, yeah, your intent and how it's reading could be different things. Uh, the last thing I said was fake it till you make it when it comes to enthusiasm. Give the GM the reaction they want, even if you're not totally feeling it. Um, that could sound like me saying don't be genuine, but it's really more about, like, being generous and being helpful. Also, you'll probably get there. Yeah. You know, the more attention and enthusiasm that you give to the game, the more you're going to get back because it's a feedback loop. Yeah, and and I think that a, a key part of that is remembering that the GM is also a player at the table. They are also here having fun or should have fun with it and, you know, hyping up your fellow players and giving them that space and the reactions that they're looking for is a huge part of this, but so is doing that for the GM to give them that um, that energy because uh, going way back to eight in, in Charisma, I have played opposite those people on stage and I refer to them as a black hole of energy. Like everything that I throw at them, there's nothing sticking and it's pulling everything out of me and it makes it just so much harder to play opposite. And, you know, giving some love and some grace to your GMs and being like, you are also a player at this table and I want to give you this love and energy. That can go a long way. It really can. And, and, and you could not be more right about that, honestly, because <laughs> that, because then you get to be like, well, Oh, am I boring? Yeah. You know, am I dragging this down? Do people want to be here? And then that little voice in your head, that's always like, you're not good enough. You mm -hmm. know, it starts sounding off. And, you know, maybe all it could 
Maybe all it would have cost the other person would have been like a fake laugh at a joke. It's I think it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, one of one of my treasured moments from Thirsty Sword Lesbians was when I dropped a really big reveal on one of the characters and everyone around the table gasped. Yeah, even if they saw it coming, it's like, please gasp. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> like know? even even if you even if you knew this was going to happen, this was still a big moment. Yeah, I player reaction is almost currency. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it, like if I really shock my players, if I really upset them, you know, or make them really happy, mm-hmm. you know, God, I love that. You yeah. Know, uh, there, there, there are very few things more rewarding than the player swearing at you because of something that you did. <laughs> Never in a personal way, of course, but having them just light into you like, how dare you use the, 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 the hook that I gave you on my character sheet to break my heart. Uh, I'll never forget Spike say, uh, calling me a perfect bastard. Um, <laughs> I, I take that as a, as a deep compliment. Um, and that was just in an email. <laughs> um, yeah, we love that stuff. It, it means so much. But we have been going on for a long time. And I think it's, it's time for us to wrap up. Any final thoughts on the mental stats or anything else? Well, do you want to do what we did previous and say what your strongest, weakest, and middling stat is for the mental stats? I Yes, let's definitely do that. Um, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Weirdly, because I do not think of myself this way in real life, I would say in this, um, my highest stat would be intelligence. Just oh. because, because I love lore and I love, I don't like puzzles. I have never liked puzzles. I think they're, they're dumb and weird and difficult, but I love riddles. Um, but I love digging deep into the lore and learning the history of a game and finding out, you know, where my character fits in and all of that. I, that is my bread and butter. I love that sort of thing. Um, and the more that I know prior to building out a backstory, the happier I am. Um, and you're also quite the optimizer. Well, yes. <laughs> it's it's weird too because like I don't think of myself as being like a power gamer. I just like to be effective. Sure, sure. But that usually turns into a certain amount of power gaming whether I mean to or not. I try really hard not to meta game though. Like that just takes so much fun away from the mystery of what's going on and the discovery of everyone else. Like even in the home Strixhaven game that I play, I very deliberately, when I was running Strixhaven, did not read ahead more than I absolutely had to because I wanted to experience the story as it was happening. Oh, yeah. 100%. Weirdly, in the complete reversal of how my actual life is, I think charisma is kind of my dump stat. Really? Yeah. Because I don't do a lot of character voices. I do, like, get enthusiastically into what's going on. But if I'm bored with something, it's hard for me to fake it. That's, yeah. You you are very... Honest. Um, <laughs> honest. Yeah, you're, you're, you do not fake it. <laughs> no, and I should. I should, I should, you know, lean harder into what's actually going on and be willing to do more of the buy-in because, like, there's always a yeah. part of my brain that's a little bit more on the cynical side. So, you know, giving myself fully into what's going on can be more difficult, and that is something that I want to work on. I think my wisdom's okay. I think I... I do try really hard to make people comfortable and happy at the table. 
I also don't suffer fools. Yes, <laughs> you can lose <laughs> your patience. You you can, you know, we're both gingers. You could turn red a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's, it's kind of funny. And it's so funny that, that you know that, having only, like, played a board game with me in person. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a thing. What about you? Um, I think, uh, like I said before, I think I have exactly 13 intelligence. I think intelligence is probably my lowest it's getting better sure um i think and i almost feel like it's a contradiction to say this <laughs> what, what what is a person if not an enigma wrapped up in a curiosity That's, yeah yeah and i'm sure that there are people that have played with me that would disagree but uh i think wisdom might be my number one top stat that i have i um, would agree with that though having played with you I appreciate that. <laughs> of, of the mental stats, I completely agree with that because you are very focused on making sure that other people are included in what's going on and, you know, making sure that nothing is too focused on any one thing and making sure that people are okay. Having said that, I have lost players before as a GM, right? I've had people walk away from me. Player, and player stats and GM stats are different. They are, they are different. Yeah. And I went off track there, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, there are times where I get it wrong. Right. But it's also a thing that I really try to be cognizant of because I think I probably see it as the most important stat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, and I think I'm, I'm fairly charismatic as a player. Uh, but I could just like you practice my buy-in a little bit better. Sure. And work on on being there and enthusiastic for my GM. Yeah, and and that is a good thing to be aware of and to focus on. So yeah, I think that that's where I sit. And um, if I were to put it all together, uh, I would say my play style is is cleric because it is uh, wisdom and con. <laughs> it's specifically a dwarf and cleric. <laughs> That's so um, funny, because if, if, if we're going that direction, I'm an artificer. Yeah, that makes, but you totally are, though. I'm not, though. Like, I thought for a long time that I was a cleric, and then I was reminded gently that my first response to things is to square up, so I'm much more of a paladin than I am a cleric. <laughs> yeah. Both of those fit incredibly well. Um <laughs> Um, and Spike, I would say, is like an Eldritch Knight. Yeah. You know, that's that's where I would put him. Um, like Andrew, where would, would Andrew be? Uh, probably a bard, like Dex and, um, Dex and Charisma, you know? Sure. I, I would say that that's, that's his wheelhouse. And so, like, bard or, or maybe swashbuckler rogue, you know, something <laughs> like that. I would I would say that that for Andrew, in my opinion, my I think his top stat would be charisma, based on the based on these definitions anyway. So maybe just a straight up sorcerer, <laughs> <laughs> but he's pretty he's pretty agile, you know. Like he he definitely adjusts and he likes to improv. He's he's an acrobat bard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. I like that. He's a dancer, <laughs> or or perhaps a dexterity based paladin. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there you go. 
old ar- third edition archer paladins. Ooh, I'm. I'm hope- I played one of those. I'm those hoping. I'm hoping that 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 D- one D and D brings that back with with smite being applied to things that aren't just melee attacks. I think they are actually. I think that it makes a, it makes official. so much sense because like eh, tanking from the back lines is not a bad thing. Well, even if you're not tanking, just smite bombs from range are fantastic. You know, sure. the, maybe the ranger throws out 20 arrows, but, you know, the one the paladin fires is just a nuke. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty cool. And I did that in third uh, 3.5, and it was a ton of fun. All right. Well, uh, why don't you take us home and, and close us out? Sure thing. It has been an absolute delight going over these player stats. Hopefully all y'all have found something that 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 tells you what your strength is and where your weaknesses are and maybe giving you some ideas about where you would like to improve and how to improve if you if you so see fit. Again, reiterating what we said at the very beginning of this. If you come in with, you know, 10s, 12s and 14s, we're happy. Just come in with joy, come in with enthusiasm and love the story that you are telling and love the people around the table with you. As has been said on this podcast for years, the secret ingredient is, in fact, love. It is. And really what we're saying in there is work on your wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wisdom is one of those ones that everyone should be striving for 14 to 16 in. Yeah, we really should. Uh, you're going to find more tables that way. It's true. So thank you all so much for joining us for this deep dive into the player stats. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Thank you.